Why is life so unfair? So at a very, very young age, we discover that there are many parts of life that simply aren't fair. We are created with less talents than others, maybe around us. Or maybe we have less intelligence than others around us. Maybe we have worse looks than others around us. Maybe we have worse parents than others around us. We go to worse schools, um, have less financial resources than our friends, others we are jealous of. Life isn't fair, you learn very quickly. Um, even within our own family, our siblings don't always get the same gifts and the same opportunities let alone from between our friends, and let alone if you move beyond our immediate community, there are other places where life is much less fair than it is for us, for everybody here. Um, and as we go through life, we kind of resign ourselves to the differences between people, between people's talents, between people's abilities, between people's opportunities, between people's resources. We just don't all get it the same. Some people seem to have it much, much, much better than others. Nobody's life is perfect. We all recognize that. Everyone faces their own challenges, but not all challenges are equal. Some people's challenges are minuscule compared to other people's challenges. Some people are worrying where they'll sleep or where they'll get their next meal. Some people, their problem is what color tile they could, should choose for their kitchen remodel. Uh, but it's still a big problem, right? It can still be a big challenge, right? So we all have, and we, we face it, but still, um, there are definitely, it's not fair. Some have more than others. Um, most of us are lucky in some ways, and uh, those that are very lucky will hopefully learn to appreciate the luck that brought us to where we are, or we believe God's hand that brought us to where we are, um, and recognize that not everyone is as fortunate as us. But it still raises the question, why is life so unfair. Why should some people have and some people not have? Why does God make some people smarter than others? Why does God make some people better looking than others? Why does God make some people with better resources than others? Give them better parents, give them better schools, better mentors, better opportunities. Why do some succeed where others don't? In recent years, Many movements have grown advocating to build a fairer world. We have movements like socialism. Their goal is to make everyone on equal financial footing, or at least on the extreme ends of socialism. Um, they want everyone to be equal um, financially. We have groups like feminism that want the equality between genders or even newer movements um, that uh, want equality between, uh, for sexual differences, um, anti-racism that wants to bring equality to races. And until Friday, we had affirmative action to move, remove what was perceived racial unfairness um, in colleges and other places. So despite the best of intentions, and often sometimes these Ideas lead to unintended consequences that are not always very good. But still, with all of these movements, no one seems to have been able to make life fair. Even in the socialist utopias, they weren't able to make life fair. It does, they, maybe they made it a little fairer. Often it tends to make it worse because it's the law of unintended consequences. Without getting into details, life still seems not to be fair. So 
We believe, we as Jews believe, that God created our world and manages our world and manages each and every single detail in this world and is in total control of everything. So ultimately, if someone is unhappy about the, um, about the hand they were, dealt with in the, they were dealt in this world, in their lives, that ultimately you've got to go back to the one who created you and say, well, it's God's fault, right? Ultimately, the dealer who is dealing you whatever cards you have is God. And so the question then goes back to God, back to Hashem. Why did Hashem make life so unfair? <coughs> so there are many different approaches to answer this question in, in Judaism itself. So, but today we're going to look at this question through the lens of a fascinating midrash. The Torah in this week's parsha tells us about various sacrifices that were offered on various occasions. There were various types of sacrifices. One type of sacrifice is called a carbon chatos or chatat, which is a sin offering that was brought to atone for various sins. If you committed various sins under varying circumstances, not going to get into the details right now, um, one would have to bring a sin offering to atone for their sin. And the Torah tells us in various occasions that an individual sinned would have to bring a sacrifice, as well as there were times that the community would have to bring sin offerings for various communal sins. The Torah tells us that on Rosh Chodesh, on the new month, every new month, when the beginning of the Jewish month, it's the new moon, right? We have months full of the moon. So every new moon is a new month. We call it Rosh Chodesh. It's a mini holiday uh, for Jews. So we should bring a special Musaf offering, a special additional offering, which included a number of different sacrifices and also included a sin offering. The Torah says, Seir izim echad lechatat lahashem. Bring one goat as a sin offering, as part of your Rosh Chodesh sacrifice, to atone for God. Why does God need atonement? What was God's sin? It sounds like blasphemy to say that God sinned. How can you say that God needs atonement? So the Midrash explains, to understand God's sin, or why God would need atonement, the Midrash gives us a fascinating tale. Going back to the story of creation in Genesis, the Torah tells us how each day over six days Hashem created various parts of our universe. And we've done classes on creation in the past. I don't want to get into the details now. Just mentioning one particular detail, which is that Hashem created the sun and the moon. And when the Torah describes how Hashem created the, to- the sun and the moon, the Torah says, Vayas Elokim et shnei ha-ma'orot ha-gdolim. Hashem made the two great luminaries, et ha-ma'or ha-gadol hayom the great luminary to rule by day, et ha-ma'or ha-katon ha-layla, the small luminary to rule by night. The great luminary, of course, is the sun that shines by day. The small luminary that rules at night is the moon. 
But the Midrash points out that the verse actually begins by saying, Hashem made two great luminaries, a great luminary and a small luminary. That's contradicting itself. Were there two great luminaries, or was there a great luminary and a small luminary? So the Midrash says, well, at first there were two great luminaries, the sun and the moon. Two great lights in the sky, the sun and the moon. But then the moon turned to Hashem and asked, can two kings use one crown? And Hashem responded, good point. Go make yourself smaller. Now there was a big light, the sun, and a small light, the moon. So the moon protested, and the moon said, because I made a good point, I should be punished. So Hashem said, you are right. So you will get to rule, to shine by day and by night. The sun is only there by day. The moon is there by day and by night. The moon said, what's the point? By day, no one will see my light. What value is a candle in the sunlight? I'm not adding anything to the sun's light by day. So Hashem responded, Israel will count their months and years. Their calendar will follow you. So the moon complained, yes. But Israel also counts seasons. The Jewish calendar, and we previously did a class on the Jewish calendar, is both a lunar and solar calendar. We count by both the moon and the sun. So it's still not fair. So Hashem said, the righteous, tzaddikim, will be called by your name. The moon was still not happy. So Hashem said, you are right. Every Rosh Chodesh, every new month, and whenever there's a new moon, bring a sin offering for me for making the moon smaller. I'm wrong. I need to atone for making the moon smaller every Rosh Chodesh, you will bring a sin offering for me for making the moon smaller. And that's why there was a sin offering offered in the temple every Rosh Chodesh for Hashem, for having made the moon small. Very, very strange Midrash. And clearly, the Midrash was not meant to be taken at face value, but is a metaphor. It's meant to teach us a deep and powerful lesson, like much of the Midrash, that has all sorts of very fascinating tales that are not meant to be taken at face value, but are meant to teach us a powerful metaphor. What does this very strange story teach us? So the Rebbe once explained that the discussion between the moon and Hashem is really a question that the Midrash is teaching us, the question of fairness in God's creation. When the moon was created, in the, Midrash's, in the account of the Midrash, it's created of equal size to the sun. But it's still a moon. The sun is a ball of fire. The sun generates light, lighting up our, in our earth when it shines on it. The moon is just a solid mass. It has no fire of its own. It has no light of its own. All it can do is 
reflect the sun. So the moon, even if it's the same size as the sun, is just reflecting the sun. It says to Hashem, that's not fair. That's not fair. The sun is generating all the light. I'm just getting the sun's light and reflecting it. That's not fair. I'm not generating any light. Why am I not a sun? Hashem says, very good point. You don't need to be as big. Oh, the moon asks, why do I need to be as big as the sun? Hashem says, good point. You don't need to be as big as the sun because you're not generating any light. I will make you much smaller. (laughs) So the moon says, but that's still not fair. Why am I so much smaller than the sun? It's still not fair. Now this question is really a question for every part of life. It's not just about the moon. It's a question about, in general, why is it that some people give and some people take? David, King David asked God, why did you make some people rich and some people poor? Why do you make everyone equal? Why do some people have? Why do some people not have? Why do you make some people with a very high IQ and some people with a low IQ? Why do you make us all equally smart? Why do you make some people with greater talents and some people with lesser talents? Some people with talents that can earn them huge salaries and some people with talents, they can be programmers or they can be football players or they can be A-list actors, and some people don't have those talents. Why don't you make us all equal? Why don't you make us all the same? It's unfair. We're so many of us don't have what we wish we would have, what others have. Why are we not like them? Why did you make our world so unfair? Why is our world so full of disparities throughout our entire world? So it wasn't really about the moon and the sun. It's really a general question on life. Mm -hmm. Why is life unfair? But what's the answer? (laughs) 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 So we believe (laughs) we believe (laughs) that The Torah that we have is not just a rule book that Hashem gave us of how we should live our lives. But we are told that the Torah actually existed before creation. God already had all the commandments before creation. And then he looked into the Torah and used the Torah as a blueprint for our lives. The Torah says there's certain animals we can't eat. Certain animals we cannot eat. Well, God's got to create, Hashem has to create those animals for us to have the animals to eat and animals to not eat. And similarly, every detail that was created, it's not that the Torah was given once the world was created, but it's the other way around. Our, the Torah was created, Hashem first had the Torah, and then based on the Torah, He built our universe. So everything is built, we believe. Um, in accordance with the Torah, and we can figure out and understand our world by looking at the Torah itself. If we look at the structure of the Torah, 
we can understand how our world works. Central to our belief in the Torah is that the Torah is made up of two parts. There is what we call the written Torah, the five books of Moses, and there is the oral Torah. The oral Torah is the information that Moshe taught us during our 40 years in the desert. In fact, we explained, we did a class last year on the oral Torah, and we explained then that we actually had the oral Torah first for 40 years in the desert. Moshe was teaching them the Torah. And then, before his death, he gave them this written account. Now, there's, a big, there's many differences between the written Torah and the oral Torah. But one primary difference is the written Torah is static. We have the exact same Torah as Hashem gave it to Moshe. The same Almost 80,000 words, just over 300,000 letters of the Torah, are the exact same as they were when they were given to Moshe, when Moshe gave it to us. Same words, word for word, the same thing. Nothing has changed. Our oral Torah, though, is not the same. It has evolved over the years. How did the oral Torah evolve? Well, the written Torah is the words and the letters of Moshe or that Hashem dictated to Moshe. The oral Torah is information that we are meant to understand and then apply to our lives. It is laws, rules of how we should live our lives. 613 commandments with all of the rules that, uh, of those commandments. It includes life lessons of how we should live our lives. We then develop, try to understand the Torah. We develop deeper understanding of it. As we develop a deep, deeper and deeper, we develop explanations for it, right? It's evolving. We're building explanations. New scenarios arise that are not explicitly mentioned in the law. We apply the law to these new scenarios based on the under, our understanding of the law. We now create new case law. And so as a result, the Torah is constantly growing over thousands of years um, millions of Jews following the Torah. There's always new scenarios, new case law, new rules evolving over time. And so our oral Torah, while at its core, the base is based on what Hashem gave Moshe, the original rule 613 commandments were given to Moshe and taught to us. And we still keep the same system is still there. We can't do what, we can't change it as we wish. But it has evolved. It's been applied to new cases, new scenarios. It is developed by us, by the Jewish people, the keepers of the Torah. Today, the oral Torah is made up of hundreds of thousands of books. The wisdom of thousands of years of Jewish scholarship. Today, you can get a hard drive with 120,000 books of Torah, of the oral Torah. The written Torah remains the exact same as it was when Moshe gave it to us. The written Torah is what Hashem gave to us. The oral Torah, Hashem originally gave it to us, but it's something that we develop, we understand, and we explain. That is why, if a person reads the words of the written Torah, just read it, you have no idea what you said. You follow, you get called up to the Torah, you make a blessing, when you get, called, when you get an aliyah, you get called up to the Torah. And the reader reads the Torah, you have no idea what they said. You still made a blessing thanking Hashem for giving us the Torah. Because it's the words that are holy. 
But if you study the oral Torah and just read the words and have no idea what you said, you didn't do anything. Because the oral Torah is something that we're meant to understand. It's the idea, it's not the words. We don't have the original words Hashem gave Moshe. We have the ideas, the concepts. So the written Torah is something that is exactly as it was given, hasn't evolved, hasn't changed. The oral Torah is something that evolved and developed over the years. Why is that? Kabbalah explains that the Torah has two parts. The written Torah is what we call the mashpia, the giver, the source. It remains true to its source. The oral Torah is what we call mekabel, recipient. It is what we receive, we apply, we develop. It is the, there's the Torah the way it was in its source, the way it was given to us, the written Torah, and the Torah the way we've applied it, we have received it, we have applied it, and we have developed it. So Torah then has two parts to it. There is the giver, the source, and there is the receiving side, the developed side, the side that we, the takers, receive. The Torah, we said earlier, is the blueprint for creation. Kabbalah explains that just as our Torah has the source, the written Torah, and the developed Torah, the part that we receive and develop, so too our universe is split between giving and receiving. Everything in our universe is split between mashpia, giving, and mekabel, receiving. Everything is either a giver or a receiver. And you can be both at the same time. You can have parts that are giving and parts that are receiving. The giver's role is to give to others, the receiving, receiver's role is to receive from others. That is why Hashem created a world where we are not all equal. Some have and some don't have. Some are in the created in the giving role. Some are created in the receiving role. We could best see this in resources. Some people are rich. Some people are poor. King David asked Hashem, why is that? Why do you make some people rich and some people poor? That's not fair. Hashem answered, so that the rich would give to the poor. In a world with no rich and no poor, we're all equal. Nobody would be giving anyone anything. That would be a very selfish world. It would be a world with no givers, no receivers. There would be no charity whatsoever. In the Soviet Union's communist utopia, charity was illegal. Because everybody had. Right? Everybody was so equal. So they say. Right? <laughs> Some people were more equal than others. Um, so, so there always must be givers and receivers. So Hashem told King David, you need to have people that have to be able to give to people that don't have. You'd have people that don't have. So that those that have can give to people that don't have. Now thankfully, often, or everyone is in some way both a giver and a receiver. Everyone has things to give and things to receive. However, some people, their life is 
primarily or they have more giving. They have more and have more to give. Some people are more on the receiving end. Just like some things are more givers, some things are more receivers. Now what's better? Is it better to be the giver or better to be the receiver? Is it better to be rich or better to be poor? Better to have or better to have not? It depends. Depends. Depends on whose perspective. If you look at it from the perspective of the individual, I personally would prefer to be the giver. I want to be the have. I don't want to be the have not. But if you look at it from Hashem's perspective, everyone has a role to play in the complex purpose of creation. We need givers, we need receivers. You need everyone playing their role. If they don't play their role, then it won't happen. Think of it like a movie, right? From the actors turn to the director and the actors say, I want to be the rich guy in the movie. I don't want to be the poor guy in the movie, right? The director says, look, you're all just players. It doesn't matter. You're all part of playing your part of the movie. You're all ultimately getting paid the same. I need one of you to be the, the, the rich guy. One of you need to be the poor person. One of you need to be the uh, boss. One of you need to be the uh, need to be the runner or the 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 low. You, that's that's the job in the movie. Those are the positions I have. You got to have someone playing each role. Oh, we don't have if we're you're all givers. I don't have my movie. Says you'll get paid the same. Don't worry. It's only for people watching the movie they see you in different roles, but it's all the same. You're just actors in the movie. So from Hashem's perspective, yeah, it doesn't really matter if you're the giver, you're the receiver. You're all the same. You're each doing your role, what you're supposed to be doing. There's no difference between one and the other. Now, from our perspective, the actors know that they're actors. Our problem is that we are actors that don't even realize that we're actors. We're playing in Hashem's movie, but we don't know. And we don't realize that whatever we have in the movie, that's not the real pay. Right? At the end, we get paid when, we're, when it's all over, right? when we finish our role. But now that's not the real pay what we get now. right? So we get stuck in the movie and we say, I don't want to be on the receiving end. I don't want you to be shooting me in the movie and I don't want to be the one dropping. Why can't I be the one holding the gun shooting you in the movie? Right? Well, why should it be like that? Right? Because we're stuck inside the movie. We don't get it. Right? So from our perspective, we each feel that I should be the giver. Why should I be the recipient? From Hashem's perspective, he says it's all equal. Your each one has a different role to play. I need every single role in the movie. I need every single role in the role in this show. You all have an important role. So that is why the moon's complaint, going back to the moon, is therefore the complaint of everyone on the receiving side. Why should I reflect the sun? Why can't I be a big ball of fire giving everyone light? It's not fair the sun is creating the light and I'm just the reflector. Is that fair? Why can't you switch it? Why don't you make me the sun? Make him the moon? So Hashem says, indeed, 
you are smaller from your perspective. You are smaller, but from my perspective, you're all the same. But the moon says, well, from my perspective, we're not. It's not fair. I want to be the sun. Hashem says, yes, but the sun has its limitations. The sun only shines by day, not at night. The moon can shine both by day and by night. Kind of everyone givers. If everyone in the movie would be shooting and nobody gets shot, well, you have no movie, right? If everybody would be on the giving side, you can't all. Everyone has a role. Yes, he has his role, but you have your role, right? You do a great job falling to the ground. That's an important role as well. Got to do that too. We need the moon as well. We need a reflector. So you have a very, very important role. The sun can't do your role. Very, very important. Says the moon, thank you very much for the words of comfort. Thank you very much, but I'd still prefer to be in the sun, right? He's still shining by day, and when he's shining, nobody even sees me. When the sun is shining, I'm like a candle in the sunlight. No one even notices me when the sun is shining. I don't want to be there. I'd still prefer to be the sun. If it's so wonderful to be a moon, let him be the moon. <laughs> so Hashem tells him, no. Israel, my chosen people, they will count by you. They will, you, they will make their calendars based on you. They will follow the commandments based on the moon. In other words, in order to really make an impact, in order to change our world, it's not the givers that change things. They don't face challenges and overcome challenges. It's the have-nots, it's those that struggle. They are the ones that can really rise to greatness. They are the ones that can really make a real impact in this world. Yeah, you could be a sun, but the sun's just shining all day. doesn't do anything. doesn't change. doesn't evolve. doesn't make any difference. The moon's a lot cooler. It gets big. It gets small. It moves, right? It's, it's not, the sun's just plain. It doesn't grow. It doesn't have the ability to grow, to improve, to change. It just shines. The moon, you could grow. You could build. You could overcome adversary. You could overcome challenges. You have so much opportunity that those that have don't get. You have the opportunity for growth, for development. You have so much more than those that have. Moon says, thank you very much. I still would like to be the sun. (laughs) Right? Thank you. That's a one that's very true. Yes, it's true that you can overcome challenges being starting off in a challenging position and overcoming adversary and succeeding in spite of not having and being able to thrive even with all the challenges. That, that's much better than those that have and it's easy for them. You have achieved so much more. You've accomplished. You've changed our world in such a greater way. Yes, but I still prefer to be gifted everything. I still prefer to have than not to have. Really because in reality, in life, nothing comes without hard work. Even, even if you have, you won't appreciate it if you don't work. You're absolutely yeah. right. But still, those that don't have, those that have less, everyone has something, right? No one's a true giver or receiver in our world. Everyone's in the middle, right, on a spectrum. But 
those that don't have or that have less have a lot more opportunity for growth. And aren't people happier when they accept their role? People are a lot happier when they accept their role. You're absolutely right. What's the big deal? It's still not fair. It's still not fair. So Hashem says, don't worry. The righteous will be called by your name. In other words, real credit can only be taken by those that overcame adversary. Those that, that never overcame adversity, those that just kind of were born on a golden platter, they don't really get any credit for what they've done. They don't get any credit for what they've achieved. Real credit, not only can you grow to greater heights when you start off with struggles, when you face great challenges and great struggles, but real growth, real achievement is only possible with struggle. Without struggle, what's the big deal? You're a legacy kid and you got into an Ivy League college. What's the big deal? Your grandfather put in a phone call to the chancellor. That's how you got in, right? You didn't work hard. What's the big deal? That's not an achievement. Nobody credits you for that, right? It's not worth anything. Real value, real achievement to be a tzaddik righteous, you need to overcome adversary. So God's given, Hashem has given the moon many reasons to be happy, right? Many reasons to be happy with its lot. You have a role, you have an important role to play as the receiver. From my perspective, it's all equal. You're just as important. Even more so, real growth can only come from adversary, from challenges, from not having and building it on your own. And really, you only get credit for anything you've done if you did it with challenge, if you overcame difficulties. If it was easy, you don't get any credit for it. Only those who are challenged can truly reach great heights. So Hashem has a number of answers for the moon. And yet the moon is still unhappy. He says, yes, but it's not fair. It's still not fair. Very good points. But why don't you give that to the sun? Make him the moon, make me the sun. Very good, but I still would prefer to have. So Hashem then agrees. He says, you know what? You got a point. You are right. It's not fair. Unfairness is necessary in our world to succeed. We can't all be the same. We would not be able to change our world, make our world a better place, if we were all the exact same. We wouldn't be able to help each other if we were all the exact same. There'd be no room for growth if we were all the exact same. Life, a fair, perfect utopia, would be no fun. And there would be nothing to accomplish, nothing to achieve. So unfairness is necessary for our world. We need haves and have-nots. We need givers and receivers. We need suns and moons. We need that. And yet, any moon, any person on the receiving side, any have-not can turn to Hashem and say, why me? Why do you switch us? I know you need people in this position and that position, but why do you put me in this position and him in that position? Put it the other way around. And I understand there's advantages of being 
of struggle and there's advantages of overcoming adversary and there's yes yes there's a lot of advantages I still don't want to be here I prefer to be there why'd you put me here why do you put him here and put me there and that's a fair question that anyone can ask and Hashem says you know what I have no answer I've got to put someone there that someone ended up being you it's unfair I have no explanation as to why it was you and not him and for that that is part of the imperfection that is built into our world. And for that, Hashem says, it's my fault. And you will bring a special sacrifice every Rosh Chodesh when there's a new moon to remember this, to help remind you of this, that ultimately Hashem built a world that isn't fair. He built it not fair for a purpose, so that we should be able to grow, that there should be givers and receivers, that we should be able to develop this world, we should make this world a better place so that we should be able to work together as a team to play through the whole script in our play, in our, in our film. But still, not everyone's happy with the role they're given. And there isn't an obvious justification why this person got that role and that one got that role. And to remember that inherent unfairness in our world, Hashem says, indeed, there's a certain level of unfairness in this world, and that's my fault. I take the blame, Hashem takes the blame, and we bring this sacrifice, a sin offering, to remind us of the inherent unfairness that there is ultimately in this world. Yes, Joey? Uh, I, I read this with a lot of interest, especially on Thursday night when I went out for the sanctification of the moon. What, uh, interesting because sanctification at the water and the Rocks last week was a big deal. I, there seems to be a huge gap here. I mean, as perceived by me, and I I couldn't find it explained anywhere. How did I think Hashem did right by by the moon and the, the things that told him about calendar and all these other things? Where where when did this when did we leap? We as a people make this leap to the monthly sanctification separate from uh, the new moon. I, 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 I'm it, not it, following. So Rosh Chodesh, we have... We, Rosh Chodesh, the, our Jewish calendar follows the moon. Okay, so in the Siddur, there, page 301, they start... We have a blessing the, for the moon. We did a class on that a few months ago. Well, yes. in the index, it says sanctification of yes. the moon. And when did that come about? There's no sanctification of the moon mentioned in the Torah in the itself. Torah. That's an excellent and question. I couldn't find it. I couldn't find that specific term in the. That's an excellent so, question. When did we begin with the blessing of the moon? That's an excellent question. We did a class on the blessing of the moon a few months ago. Um, let's let's defer it to after the class, and we'll, we'll, okay. talk, we'll talk about it after the class. Any other questions? Yes, Mark. So it sounds like the answer to the big question about fairness. Is there is no answer, right? That, sort that's of. really what it boils down sort to. Sort of. So let's get to the answer. So why is life unfair? That was our big question at the beginning. Why is life unfair? So this is a multi-part answer that we have offered. Hashem created our world with a very complex plan for creation. Each person created within creation has a role to play. Some, their role is at the top. Some, their role is at the bottom. 
Everyone has a different role to play. Everyone must play their role in the plan Hashem has for creation. And we need managers, and we need uh, workers, and we need, we need everyone at every level, Everybody. different people to do totally different things, and Hashem gives each person the tools they need to do their part. Some of whom the tools that they have in positions they're placed in seem very pleasant and very easy, and some for whom their tools and positions seem very challenging. But that is everyone's role. For our world to grow and improve, we need a world of helpers and people being helped, givers and receivers. If we see ourselves from Hashem's perspective as part of the master plan, it helps us recognize that before Hashem we're all equal. We're all ultimately a player in the plan. We're all ultimately an actor in Hashem's film. We each have a role to play. One is not more important than the other. Each person has an important role to play. For Hashem, it's all equal. It's only from our perspective that it's not. But from His perspective, truly, it's the same. And yet, even from... That's part one of the answer, right? From Hashem's perspective, it's all the same. And yet, from our perspective... Still, we prefer not to be at the bottom. We prefer to be at the top. We prefer not to be, a, to be a have rather than a have not. To be the rich rather than the poor. To be the one who's giving rather than the one who is receiving. So part two of the answer is there are a number of important advantages to being on the receiving side. Uh, firstly, the, um, when you are on the receiving side, you're able to achieve things that the giver's not able to do. Um, you're in positions with opportunities that somebody who has doesn't have that opportunity. Secondly, you have the ability for growth, for much greater growth. You can grow in a much greater way by overcoming your challenges and adversary. Thirdly, not only can you grow in a much greater way, real credit for growth only happens when you face challenges and, and adversity. So you only, have re- you only really can be credited, you can only truly become righteous if you start off at the bottom, if you start off from a more challenging position, if you face great challenge and adversity. So there are f- at least three va- values in being at the bottom, being on the receiving end, that you can do things that you, the giver can't do, you can achieve and accomplish in a much, much greater way than the giver can ever accomplish, and you get credit for those achievements in a way that a, someone on their, as a giver would not be able to get credit because they don't face those challenges. So that's part two of the answer. Even so, many would say, I'd prefer to be a giver. <laughs> right? And so ultimately, at that point, we don't have a real answer. There's an inherent unfairness in Hashem's creation that we ultimately cannot explain. Yes? Does it really matter where you are in the positions to be a giver? Before Hashem, no, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, no matter where you are, you can always be a giver. Some of it is part of perspective. That's a very good point. A lot of it is perspective. In other words, you can see yourself as a giver because you're focusing on the giving parts of your life. Um, Or you could see yourself as a recipient, as a receiver, focusing on the receiving parts of your life. A lot of it is a matter of perspective. You're absolutely right. We all have a little bit of both, as we mentioned earlier. No one's entirely one or the other. You can give in different ways 
You could give in different ways, absolutely. And yet, even with all of those explanations given, we still would rather be the have than the have not. Right, so, so the, you're absolutely right. So a point that we mentioned this earlier, that so you could have one thing and not have the other, right? You could have finances and not have health, right? But we'd like to, like if I could choose my role in life, I'd like to have it all, right? Have finances, health, smarts, family, you know, friends, everything. Why, why can't I just have everything, right? Wouldn't that be great? Right. And some people have neither. That's the problem. Right? Neither. Neither strong minds nor strong backs. Some people don't have right? Some people have specific talents that can, you know, get them very far and some don't. Right? It's 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 unfair in that sense, right? It's unfairness. The interesting thing is I think that there's more suicides among rich rich people. Yes, yes, you're absolutely right. In other words, those that have are tend to be less happy than those that don't have. Right. And that's because they only have in order to give. And if they're not giving, then they're not happy. Or maybe they don't have love in their homes. They're not giving. They have money and not give, parents cannot give love because they're busy out working. They're not giving, ultimately. So our current unfairness is really just our current reality. Ultimately, we say that, going back to the moon and sun, and we say this in our blessing we do on the moon once a month, that in the future times it says that the moon will once again be the size of the sun, will once again be enlarged to the size of the sun. Now whether that's how that would work from a physics perspective, I don't know. <laughs> but more important, more relevant is the lesson that it teaches us. And that is that ultimately, the imperfections that we have is in our current reality. Our current reality, as we're working to bring our universe towards the goal that Hashem has set for it. However, we believe that we will reach that goal. We will We believe, we've spoken previously, when speaking about the future times and the redemption, Mashiach, um, that we believe that there is an end. There is an end to our history, just as there was a beginning to history, a time that we were created when we began. There is an end to our history, a time when we reach that ultimate perfection. When we do reach that point, when we have achieved our goal and achieved our purpose, then Hashem will remove all limitations. And everyone will become a giver. Everyone will have. We will reach a point where the moon will become a giver like the sun. Where the moon will be equal to the sun. This that we don't have is part of the struggles of our current reality. When we do achieve our goal with the coming of Moshiach, we will reach a new, true utopia, a true perfection, where all truly will have, we will all be equal, because no, no one will be lacking anything. So who do you give to then? We'll have no one to give. Life so will be boring. You won't be, a, well, you'll just have, everyone will you'll have. Just have. <laughs> you'll just be a haver, there'll be no one to give, and life will be boring, right? So why don't we just... <laughs> if the end result, you gotta work to attain it. 
if the end result is going to be perfection. The end, the goal is for us to reach that perfection. Very no good more, question. No why? More, no more birth defects at that point. No more birth defects. No more illness. No more sickness. The what? Why did God not just originally create a perfect world? Right? right? Why did He create an no imperfect world? That's an excellent question. Uh, maybe it deserves a class of its own. But just to briefly address it. Just to briefly address, why did Hashem initially create an imperfect world? Because if he had created initially a perfect world, then we, his creations, have achieved nothing. We, we, we were born in a perfect world. His goal was for us to work hard and to bring perfection so that we can be credited for the perfection that we've brought. It becomes our world, our perfection. We have achieved it. We have brought it about. So he made us, put us in a position where we don't have we live with imperfections, we live with unfairness, and it's our role now to overcome it. Eventually, we will bring our universe to perfection. When we do that, when we do bring the universe to perfection, then we will, uh, then, we will then be able to appreciate and value our own work and our own achievements. What would be a different spiritual plane? We will. Yes. That's the, that's the difference. Won't we be at a different spiritual plane? We will, but we will be responsible for what we have brought about. It won't just be something that Hashem created. Is this after we pass? No, we believe it will come in a future time in history. Moshiach will come and our world will enter a different era, an era of redemption. I think Christianity says the same thing. Too, yeah, you know what? I think they got it from us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they saw it like every, everything else. Taught in the prior class that um, some of the 